it's going to be hot today. I was hoping maybe it'd hold off, but it's looking hot already. A scorcher of a Sunday as a heat wave hits the south coast. The attention turns to the region's most vulnerable. Plus, I was crying. <laughs> I was really upset. I was scared for the people. A helicopter crash landing sends four to hospital. Why witnesses say it could have been much worse. And with all the, everything going up lately, it's this is it's a hard pill to swallow. Charging more to charge electric vehicles, the new costs you'll have to pay to power up. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thank you for joining us. A new series of heat warnings have now been issued for parts of southern BC with temperatures reaching into the high 30s in some areas. And it's expected to stay that way for days. Grace Key now with ways you and your family can stay safe. People warming up at the Concord Burnaby Lake run are already starting to feel the heat. It's going to be hot today. I was hoping maybe it'd hold off, but it's looking hot already. The event used to be held in September, but was switched to August. So instead of battling the rain, organizers are planning for the heat. Uh, they've got water stations set up and stuff, so I think we'll be, uh, we'll be fine. Make sure to hydrate. Important lessons have been learned from the 2021 heat dome. According to the BC Coroner Service, there were 619 heat-related deaths in BC during that week. 98% happened indoors. Monitoring your temperatures inside is incredibly important. Um, any temperature, you know, if it's over 31 degrees in your apartment, you really need to go somewhere else that's cooler. Um, and for some people, even temperatures over 26 degrees can be dangerous for them if they have pre-existing health conditions. The cool kits um, have things like a thermometer, uh, ice packs, a cooling towel. For the second year in a row, the city of Vancouver has put together some 2,000 cool kits that have been distributed through community partners. You can put together your own cool kit, and that includes a thermometer to check the temperature indoors. Many municipalities have activated their heat response plans. In Vancouver, that includes advanced installation of temporary misting stations and water fountains and activating cooling centres and community centres and libraries across the city. <laughs> there are also a number of touch-activated spray parks, a favourite feature for families trying to find ways to keep little ones entertained and cool. We brought our water with us and obviously keeping him cool that way. So Put our blinds down, come early to the splash pad or the wading pools, um, and then we don't stay out in the middle of the day. Experts also want to remind people to check up on neighbours and loved ones during the heat wave. It's an important role we can all play in staying safe. Grace Key, Global News. All right, with more now on how hot it's expected to get, we bring in meteorologist Yvonne Shell. Yvonne, a lot of people eager to hear what you have to say about the forecast. Yeah, those temperatures, especially away from the water inland, will be into the mid and upper 30s, and a few spots in towards the interior could get closer to 40 degrees. Now, the following areas, we've got that heat warning that will remain in effect. Those are for the areas that are in pink, and the special weather statement will see the heat wave continue or kick up tomorrow and take us all the way in towards our Thursday. So from now all the way in towards Thursday, we'll see that 
heat and the big concern is those temperatures will be soaring. Many areas along the south coast will be into the low 30s. That's away from the water. Some of the hottest temperatures will be for the interior mid and upper 30s and we're not seeing much of a reprieve. Our overnight lows will be into the upper teens, most areas and towards the interior. So plan ahead in the coming days. This takes us all the way towards our Thursday. Wanted to show you the temperature trend. We're hoping to see a bit of a reprieve come Friday. We'll be back into the low 20s. More coming up very shortly. Kamal. Thanks so much, Yvonne. The death toll from the Maui wildfires is now at 93, making it one of the deadliest wildfires in U.S. history. And as is the case with wildfires here in B.C., it's often Indigenous people who are most impacted. Our Nitu Garcha is in Maui. Nitu, what have you heard from the locals? Kamil, some of those who are indigenous to these islands and displaced by the Maui fires have already reported offers from buyers looking to purchase their property. And there are fears of what that could mean for preserving culture and heritage sites in historic Lahaina. It's really impactful for the community and, and a big loss. Shalia Keahi and her husband lost their home in the Maui wildfires. They're indigenous and also mourning the loss of sacred land. It's a really historical place. It's where, you know, a lot of things happened. A lot of firsts happened, you know, first school, first capital, you know. Now in ruins, Lahaina was the first capital of the Kingdom of Hawaii. Keahi is a pastor at a church there, which also burned. But we're grateful that we also have family nearby, but not everybody does. And She's now helping at another church, housing hundreds of evacuees and donations from across the island with helicopters filled with food, clothing and other items arriving on the fields just outside the church. A tourist destination did get decimated, but our home, directly connected to the importance of our history, has also been decimated. Cody Pueo Pata, a master teacher of Hawaiian dance known as a Kumuhula, was part of an annual event for a local nonprofit this weekend, typically held under the now burned historic banyan tree. Organizers pivoted to a fundraiser for wildfire victims. Pata says Hula is helping survivors cope, but they have several concerns about the road ahead. Now exposed are dozens of archaeological sites that haven't seen the light of day in, in decades. There is a possibility of it, these lands now, because there's nothing on them, being sold to um, international entities, which removes it further from us. From, from the native people of this place. They will not take care of our sites the way that we will. The disproportionate effects of disasters like this one on Indigenous communities is something BC professor Candice Gala is highlighting as an issue around the world. In BC, we see wildfires every summer. And now to experience that also in Hawaii and to see our people, Native Hawaiians, displaced and really nowhere to go because this is the only home that they know. Cody Pueopata, who you heard from in that story, says this weekend's benefit event was for the Hawaii Community Foundation, which has raised more than $17 million for those affected by the fires. But there are still challenges getting those resources to where they're needed most because cell and power service is still down. Kamil? Thank you, Nitu. That's our Nitu Garcha reporting from Maui. Normally, a trip to Hawaii would be a dream vacation for many, though now is not the time to go. That's the case for a Vancouver Island family that's decided to cancel their getaway, but they're now facing the prospect of being out of thousands of dollars. It's a lot for 
$4,000. It was supposed to be a dream Hawaiian vacation for Jacqueline Kursky and her family. This was a trip that we had saved for for a long time, and it's expensive. But the deadly wildfires in Maui resulting in travel advisories to the Hawaiian Islands, her family choosing to cancel the trip. It's not somewhere where you go to holiday right now. It's somewhere you can go to help. Except now with no cancellation insurance, it could mean they're out thousands of dollars. The vacation home Kauhale Makai by Coldwell Banker Island Vacations, just south of Lahaina, where the wildfires ravaged through entire neighborhoods, the Kursky family says they paid nearly $3,800 that they're now told is non-refundable. And you will be charged the entire cancellation fee. Please be informed that your reservation was booked under a non-refundable booking policy or during a non-refundable booking window. Payments to hold your reservation per the payment policy are non-refundable. A good hotel would just be like, we understand there's fires here, don't come, get a refund, but sounds like this is also a questionable hotel. It's just one room. But for Jacqueline Kursky, she's hoping for a change of policy and a change of heart. You know, I hope that something like this, like a natural disaster, would be something that they would make an exception on. I would think anybody else would. Any human with a good heart. <laughs> Coquitlam RCMP are asking for the public's help in finding two people who haven't been seen since they left a home together two days ago. 44-year-old Stephanie Patterson was with 57-year-old David Hall in the area of Colony Farm Road and Lougheed Highway at 6.30 Friday night. Patterson is a band council member of the Coquitlam First Nation, and police say the entire community is concerned for their well-being. It's believed they're traveling together in a 2019 white Honda Ridgeline with BC plates NF6112 with two flaming skull stickers. The truck was last seen at 7.30 Friday night in Pitt Meadows. Anyone with information is asked to call Coquitlam RCMP. Two teenagers have been arrested in connection with a bear spraying incident at a Richmond shopping mall. The call came into RCMP shortly after 8 Saturday night that a man and a woman had been sprayed with a noxious substance at the Richmond Center Mall. Police canine and air units were brought in. One suspect was found a short time later in shrubbery near the library. A second suspect was found in the 5,000 block of Andrews Road, a 14-year-old and a 16-year-old remain in custody. A quiet Saturday evening in the North Okanagan turned into an all-out rescue effort for an Enderby family when a helicopter came crashing into the river right across from their home. As Victoria Famia reports, the incident has left multiple people in hospital. I heard the helicopter quite low, so I kind of looked over and it just it started spinning um, and it was quite low to the river, it just kept spinning and um, I thought the blades were going to come off. A terrifying night for those who witnessed it. A helicopter came spiraling down into the Shuswap River in a quiet Enderby neighborhood. My grandma watched the plane flip um, about eight times before it actually landed into the water. And the gas was spewing everywhere. We thought it was going to explode. So 
we were also really nervous about that. According to BC Emergency Health Services, the report of a helicopter crash came in around 8 p.m. Saturday. Four people were treated at the scene and transported to hospital, all now in stable condition. I was crying. <laughs> I was really upset. I was scared for the people. I heard the lady crying, so I was obviously like, I was, I was scared. I was worried about them. The plane had like gone down so loud and it made like this huge wind across like the yard. But before first responders arrived, Chloe's father, a trained EMT in the house across the river, jumped into action. My dad started running to the scene. He got into the river right away. He started pulling people out, ask, triaging, asking who could walk to shoreline to get to safety and who couldn't. The helicopter was removed from the water Sunday morning. The damage extensive. But the sight from the night before, something that will stay with those who watched. It was it was mind blowing. It was yeah, it was shocking. I I, I thought it was like a dream. <laughs> You don't expect to see a helicopter in front of your face just spinning. A search is underway for one of the passengers missing service dog that was on the helicopter and hasn't been found. Global News reached out to the Vernon RCMP as well as the Transportation Safety Board for more information into what might have caused this crash but did not receive a response in time for broadcast. Victoria Femia, Global News near Maple Lake Resort. The family of a missing kayaker who is presumed drowned in Kalamalka Lake is once again asking for the public's help. 26-year-old Eli Baruka disappeared on July 24th when he became separated from his companions during a strong windstorm. Search and rescue and RCMP were unable to recover his body, so his family brought in a two-person dive team from the U.S. After they searched for a week without success, the family is going back to the public in homes, in hopes rather, someone who was at the lake that day might remember something. Since we've kind of looked into what we thought would be the areas of interest, I think we want to ask, you know, members of the community if they were walking or bicycle, taking the bike or something along the trail, that rail trail, on July 24th at approximately 9 p.m. If anyone can, you know, confirm if they saw three kayakers kind of by the shore or even out by the water, if they, someone could say approximately what time that was and where along that trail that is, that would help us immensely. Eli Baruka's sister says the search was hampered when someone stole the dive team's generator and then with electrical interference distorting the images they were trying to capture. Crews have been quick to knock down a condo fire in Vancouver's Coal Harbor neighborhood this afternoon. The flames broke out on a balcony of a unit of the fifth floor of a building on Bayshore Drive. No one was home at the time, but a dog had to be rescued. There was a temporary evacuation of the building. No injuries were reported. Found heavy smoke and flame coming from the fifth floor balcony. Uh, water applied pretty quick from the... Uh, ground lines and a team uh, crew went inside, uh, knocked it down pretty quick, and fire investigators trying to figure out what's, uh, what started it. Most of the damage was to the exterior and contained to the balcony. Coming up next on the news, our paying more to power up your electric vehicle. Why BC Hydro says it's going to bump up costs at EV charging stations and by how much plus. Preaching love and peace and an anti-hate rally in Ladner. More on that in just a couple of minutes.
like gas-powered vehicles, the price to fuel an EV is also likely going up. BC Hydro is looking to hike the rates at public charging stations. But as Cassidy Moscone reports, many of the green drivers she spoke with today are not that worried. Going green and ditching gas for an electric vehicle is becoming more popular and it's about to become more expensive. BC Hydro announcing a proposed 15% increase to its 70 fast charging stations across the province. This rate increase will be used to continue building and maintaining our electric vehicle charging network throughout the province to ensure that we can get more British Columbians into an electric vehicle. The 15% jump brings BC Hydro's pricing in line with its competitors. Experts say the corporation had been undercutting the market. In BC, it's been a very sweet deal for them. When it was free, because it was free for a long time, that we couldn't get access to the chargers because people were using it instead of home charging because why not it's free. The Vancouver Electric Vehicle Association says going green is still by far the cheapest by kilometre. Just two cents in an EV, 10 cents per kilometre in a hybrid or 14 cents in a conventional vehicle. Experts say this price hike will only cost the average EV user a few extra dollars per charge and as more people go green, they predict the price will only get cheaper. Until that happens... With all the, uh, everything going up lately, it's, this is a, it's a hard pill to swallow. I still do see it as a benefit regardless of how much EV charging costs because it still is significantly lower than gas prices. We're really trying to build out our provincial fast charging network and that means we need to begin recovering the costs to maintain and operate it so that we can continue to build it out. Investing in BC's greener future. Cassidy Moscone, Global News. Dozens rallied in Delta today to combat the message of hate against the 2SL LGBTQ community. Today's event comes after years of anti-LGBTQ protesters dropping offensive banners at the Highway 17A pedestrian overpass in Ladner. Those involved with today's event say they've been working at a grassroots level for a while, trying to find different ways to disrupt the hateful messages, while at the same time building community. Having been born and raised in this community, it's been very challenging. Um, to respond to the racism and hate that exists here. Um, I'm just really grateful for everybody that's come out today to, to uh, send a message that we can be better, we can know more and we can do more and we can be a kinder community. Mabel Elmore, the B.C. Parliamentary Secretary for Anti-Racism Initiatives, was also in attendance. She says all elected levels of government stand with the community and work in partnership with groups like today's to ensure our province is safe for everyone. Coming up next, a deadly day in Ukraine. Russian shelling killing at least seven people while Ukrainian troops gained some ground. Plus... We let you go. Donald Trump could be just days away from his fourth indictment. Why doesn't appear to be affecting his popularity? That's up next. Donald Trump could be just days away from his fourth indictment, two and a half years after launching an investigation into efforts to overturn the results of the 2020 
presidential election in Georgia. Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis has signaled she'll present her case to a grand jury this week. The capstone of this investigation was a phone call that Donald Trump made with several of his aides, including Mark Meadows, uh, a couple of days before January 6th, trying to get the Georgia Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger, to find, quote, 11,780 votes. And the call itself, led by Donald Trump, uh, arguably was an attempt to interfere in Georgia's certification of the electoral votes and thus depriving uh, citizens in Georgia of their right to vote. To Ukraine now, where Russian shelling has killed at least seven people, including a 23-day-old baby. According to the Ukrainian officials, bombs hit a home in a village in the southern Kherson uh, region. Elsewhere in the south, Ukrainian military officials say that Kiev's forces have made progress, claiming some success in the Zaporizhia region. Meanwhile, a Russian warship fired warning shots at a cargo ship in the southwestern Black Sea. It's the first time Russia has fired on a merchant ship beyond Ukraine since exiting a UN-brokered grain deal last month. This week marks two years since Kabul's violent fall to Taliban forces. In Ottawa, a small but determined group took part in a march for the rights of people in Afghanistan. As Toria Isri reports, those in attendance today are pushing for more attention to be focused on those who are having everything ripped away. What Taliban's are doing is gender apartheid. What these women are doing on Parliament Hill would be illegal in Afghanistan simply gathering in a public place. They are targeted in all spaces and all walks of life. The Taliban is trying to erase women and girls from society, but this crowd is refusing to let them disappear. Demonstrators want the United Nations to declare what's happening in Afghanistan, a gender apartheid. The situation uh, under this circumstance for Afghanistan, people are really uh, like a nightmare, and especially for women. Journalist Farida Nekzad escaped with her daughter a month after the fall of Kabul. She's doing her master's degree at Carleton, while her 14-year-old is getting ready for high school. Had they stayed in Afghanistan, neither mother nor daughter would have been able to pursue their education. I'm thinking why my, uh, my country girls are like uh, upset and crying and begging their fundamental right. The demonstrators gathered here believe Canada has a role to play in highlighting the plight of Afghan women and a responsibility. The Taliban took over on August 15, 2021, after American troops pulled out from a military mission Canada played a major part in. The largest human rights violation happens in the other part of the world that we were involved for two, two, two decades and then we left. They are intentionally and legally wiping out women from the public life. Wiped out with a series of relentless edicts, suffocating every dimension of women's lives. If the international community is not going to take women's rights seriously there, that means our rights as women are as disposable. 
The women here want Ottawa to put more pressure on the United Nations and the International Criminal Court to try the Taliban for crimes against humanity. Those people left behind in Afghanistan, we are still with them. Standing with them after two years of feeling ignored. Taria Isri, Global News, Ottawa. Well, did you catch a glimpse of the annual Perseid meteor shower last night? If so, you were not alone. Streaks of light danced across the sky in the Balkans overnight, Saturday to the delight of stargazers. People hoping to catch a glimpse of the celestial phenomenon camped out in the Croatian islands. The Perseid meteor shower occurs when Earth passes through a debris trail from a comet, causing particles left behind to interact with the atmosphere. After the break, water restrictions have a lot of yards looking a little dry these days. But it's not all bad news how your golden lawn could eventually make others green with envy. That's coming up. All the latest news. All the latest updates. Get it first. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Get it at 11. Global News at 11. Stage two water restrictions mean a lot more golden lawns will be seen. And while they may not be the nicest to look at, they can help improve your lawn's overall health. The regional district of Metro Vancouver says lawn care should begin in the spring with aeration, keeping the grass tall and leaving clippings on the lawn. Come summer, overwater, overwatering encourages shallow root growth, making them less resilient to hot weather. For those who enjoy greenery, alternate lawns can be explored. You can also plant something that's called a tapestry lawn. And this is where you take a traditional turf lawn and you add other species to the lawn to increase biodiversity and habitat provision. So you might include in your lawn things like chamomile or yarrow, a beautiful flowering plant, uh, ajuga, plants or microclover, things that will stay green when it gets really hot outside and will also um, increase the biodiversity of your lawn. Stage water restrictions prohibiting lawn watering will remain in place until October 15th. Meteorologist Yvonne Schell joins us now with a look at the hot and heavy forecast. Yvonne, some records to tell us about, hey? Yeah, and it's only day one of our heat wave. We've got some unofficial numbers to show you. First off, though, let's take a look at our current temperatures. Thanks, Kamal, and good evening, everyone. We're sitting at 23 degrees. We've got a northwesterly wind at 28, but it is a bit breezy out there with gusts closer to 37 kilometers per hour. Here's the hot spot so far with Lytton getting up to 39.3, and that'll take a new record of 37. That was set back in 2010. Pemberton also up there at 37.3. Agassiz and even Chilliwack, 35.2. The old record of 33.2, and that was set back in 2010. This is day one of the heat wave, and we'll continue to see some of these temperature records fall in the coming days. A few other spots across the province today into the mid and upper 30s. We're seeing that for the southern interior, and that's the trend that'll take us all the way towards our Thursday. So once again, we do have a heat wave, a prolonged heat wave that will continue 
continue to track in towards our Thursday areas inland away from the water low 30s. It's the interior that will see some of the hottest temperatures into the mid and upper 30s and then pushing closer to 40 degrees. Temperature trend this is away from the water areas uh, into the Fraser Valley. We'll see that heat to Thursday and then we're hoping to see a bit of a reprieve on Friday with a drop in temperatures and maybe even a slight chance to see an isolated shower but no significant precipitation is in the forecast. Now here's a quick snapshot of what we're anticipating for the northern half of the province. A bit more cloud cover but it is drying out heating up inland with Smithers getting up to 25 degrees. Much of the central interior will bump up to 28. It's the southern half of the province seeing those temperatures soaring and the heat wave for the southern interior continues into Thursday and hoping to see that reprieve come Friday. Whistler bumping up to 34 degrees inland across the island closer to 34. Victoria will be up to 28 and we'll see that range in temperatures 26 inland up to 33. That 33 tomorrow though with the humidex will feel like 38 degrees. It'll be very similar Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We are going to see that change on the way and a much needed reprieve from the heat will come Friday, Kamal, anywhere between 23 away from the water up to 26. Back to you. Everybody looking forward to that Friday, hey? You Thanks bet. so much, Yvonne. <laughs> All right, a massive melon giveaway has made an Ashcroft Farmer's Market an internet sensation. Desert Hills Ranch posted on Facebook that it was giving away 50,000 pounds of, get this, cantaloupes because they were, quote, wrong-sized. The post has received more than 1,000 comments and almost 6,000 shares. By end of day Saturday, more than 65,000 pounds had been given away. On Sunday, they were offering 20,000 pounds of undersized honeydew. The market says the food shortages around the world, they didn't feel it was right to dump something like this in the garbage. They urged anyone picking up the free melons to donate it to a local food bank. All right, guys, mm. uh, be honest. Would you bring it, is, it to the newsroom? Would you guys bring it to the yeah. newsroom? It is cantaloupe. Everybody? Yeah. Okay. It is cantaloupe, and I know it's for free, <laughs> but I have to be in the mood for it. I haven't had that for a while. Right. Yeah. All right. Who doesn't what do we like at? a good melon? Yeah. <laughs> I'm craving one right now. All right. What's uh, up for sports? Uh, well, we're going to uh, take a look back with the Lions who had a big win last night. And uh, they maybe have a new dynamic duo now with uh, Vernon Adams and Keon Hatcher. They were uh, hooking up a lot with uh, great passes and uh, touchdowns last night with the Lions. So we'll talk a bit about that. And timber sport, you know, it's the... Uh, Kind of like the uh, the uh, the woodsman, the axeman. They'll use the uh, chainsaws, the uh, handsaws, the axes, and we have a real good one uh, to feature. Her name is Allie Briscoe. She's only 22, wow. but uh, she's one of the best cool. in the world, and uh, so that's come up. You'll be very impressed with her skills, and uh, I have to say, sharp objects like that. Um, <laughs> I can I, I can just imagine I would uh, I would just be a mess. I would need I need someone I'd need emergency uh, personnel standing by right, right. because it wouldn't be good but she makes it look easy. Amazing. So. Looking forward to okay. that. All right. Thanks, Barry. Coming up next, it's probably the last person you'd expect to see delivering your meal. I love football. I like football, but I love giving back. Why one professional NFL player decided to go to the DoorDash food delivery route and the community's response. That's up next. New NFL season is right around the corner. Many players are taking to the practice field to prepare themselves physically for the grueling regular season. But one player has decided to train his legs by dashing to doors. 
Cincinnati Bengals punter Drew Chrisman makes his living with his legs and found an unexpected way to keep them in shape. Hi, this is DoorDash. Doing DoorDash food deliveries on his bike. Having a motivation to get an order on time, I think that was going to motivate me to get a little bit better workout. Do you ever get recognized? At first, no. I'm pretty sure a Bengals player is the last person you expect to show up with your DoorDash order. But along with the exercise, he got an education. You see a need. People panhandling, just asking for any kind of thing. And, you know, it kind of tugged at me. So he started using his DoorDash earnings to deliver generosity with free food, cash, or sometimes just conversation. There you go, Drew. Enjoy Seeing that smile, seeing, you know, their face. No one's ever regretted, you know, making someone else's day. He posts it all on social media, hoping to spread both the spirit of giving when he called, we had no idea it was Drew, the kicker from the Bengals, our favorite team. <laughs> yeah, he, he and the word the about history. local businesses like your mom's pizzeria. Well, you Owners Tracy and Pete Iani say sales jumped 25% after Drew posted himself giving away their pizza. You know, he's giving it to people that maybe didn't have money to buy lunch. And then in return, our small business has now been thriving. There's a stereotype of professional athletes as maybe being pampered or overpaid. That is not true in all cases. Not with our Drew. What's he up, is just a down-home good human. What's going on, buddy? I love how you call him our Drew. Our Drew. <laughs> we love our Drew. <laughs> Where does that urge to give back come from? I think a lot of it has to do just kind of how I was raised. A lot of credit to my parents. I thought being a Cincinnati Bengals was going to fulfill everything in my life. Part of me missed that a little bit of that charitable side. And I love football. I like football, but I love giving back. I love helping people. Proving it's not the gift. Enjoy, guys. But the giving that really pays off. Adriana Diaz, CBS News. And coming up, the Lions bounce back in a big way, showing no signs of being shaken up by a huge loss the week before, having their way with the Stampeders last night. Barry is in with all the highlights. Don't miss the Jonas Brothers coming to Rogers Arena. Be there November 11th as they return to Vancouver to play five albums in one night this fall. Tickets are on sale now. Head to the Royal BC Museum to learn about Angkor, the lost empire of Cambodia. Marvel at 120 spectacular artworks and original artifacts from ancient Angkor, never before seen in Canada. RoyalBCMuseum.bc.ca for more info. For Our BC, I'm Michael Newman. Our BC is brought to you by the PE. Eat, play, love at the PE Fair. Don't miss the Superdog Summer Night Concerts, Thrilling Rides, Fabulous Food, and more. Celebrate summer at the PE Fair. All right, Barry joins us now for a look at sports. A uh, really interesting game by the Lions. They, uh, they had a big one. Yeah, they uh, you know they got course crushed last week in uh, mm -hmm. Winnipeg and uh, something to prove now. Yeah, well, I think that's the sign of uh, you know everyone's going to have a stinker once in a while. That's how you react. Yeah. Just like us. I, I, I promise to have a better show. <laughs> I don't know show. what that's I like. I promise to have a better show tomorrow. <laughs> All right, thanks, Kamala. The uh, Lions had an impressive bounce-back performance last night against the Stampeders, dominating them in all facets in a 37-9 drubbing. Vernon Adams Jr. returned from a two-week layoff and delivered four touchdown passes, one of them to Keon Hatcher, who was certainly his favorite target on the night. Hatcher had nine catches for 170 yards and was Adams' go-to guy with Dominique Rimes out of the lineup with a foot injury. Looking to tack on a few more from the Calgary 7. Adams over the middle. Touchdown, Hatcher! 
Yeah, man, we had a great week of practice, man, and he was had a lot of plays in the game plan this week, and, you know, um, there's still a few we probably left out there. Could have got him at least probably like 200. So um, uh, I'm just excited to be back, have a guy like him back, especially, you know, when Rhymes is down, someone else has to step up, you know, and he did a great job tonight. VA is my guy. Um, we had an opportunity to get some work this offseason together with him um, being in Tacoma, you know, right down the street and me staying up in Vancouver for this offseason. Um, so we got we got some work together, man, um, and it showed today. You know, we connected well, um, and got to keep rolling. Keon Hatcher, have yourself a day! All right, CFL tonight. East leading Argo is taking on Ottawa. Quarterback Chad Kelly back uh, starting for Toronto after getting injured in last week's game at Calgary. The Argo's only loss of the season uh, was going well for Kelly until he's picked off. And it's Cario Brooks with the 43-yard pick six. Red Blacks led by three, but the Argos got it right back. They took the lead before halftime. And then on special teams, Javon Leak takes the punt on a bounce, gets through the opening and takes it 79 yards for the punt return touchdown. His third of the season, 35-24 Toronto, and they lead 41-31 right now late in the fourth. Baseball today, Jays trying to avoid the sweep at home against the Cubs. Chicago jumped out 2-0, but Dalton Varsho started a big day at the plate with this towering three-run blast to right field, the three-run homer, and the Jays lead it 3-2. Vladdy Guerrero Jr. has produced pretty well with Bo Bichette out of the lineup the past couple of weeks. Second RBI single of the day for Vladdy. He leads the team with 72 RBI, but it was Dalton Varsho who had a career high five RBI on the day. This two-out bases loaded knock drove in two more. Jays win 11-4. They are a game and a half up on the Mariners for the final wild card. Seattle lost 5-3 to the Orioles in 10 innings in Seattle today. Final round of the St. Jude Classic from Memphis. First PGA Tour playoff tournament. Lucas Glover won last week just to make it into the playoffs. And the 43-year-old on quite a roll ran into trouble on 14. That's for bogey, but it's a huge putt, 30-footer. So at least he stays in a tie for the lead with Patrick Cantley. His short game, fantastic. How about that chip on the par 5? Tap in birdie. So he and Cantley remain tied at 15 under. 17th, another long putt for par. Man, those are huge. He used to be a horrible putter, this guy, but he changed putters, got himself a mental coach, and he's been making them. Cantley watching on. It would go to a playoff. Cantley hit his tee shot on the first playoff hole into the water, so he needs this long par putt to force a second playoff hole, but it just slides by. Glover made all his long ones, and Cantley missed that one, so Glover... Wins back-to-back. He's up to number four in the standings. The top 50 now move on to Chicago next week. Nick Taylor, Adam Hadwin, and Adam Svensson all moving on, as is Corey Connors. Mackenzie Hughes just missed out in 51st position. Women's British Open from Surrey, England. England's own Charlie Hull tied for the lead through three rounds with American Lilia Vu, and it was Vu who just grabbed this tournament by the throat. On the 12th, her approach shot, or actually it's got the birdie putt here, on uh, number nine, and then she would cruise from there. This beautiful uh, approach shot on 12 to a couple of feet, and she would knock that in. And she is the champ. Gets a bit of a champagne shower, but that's her second uh, major tournament win of the year for Lou, and she is the winner in uh, 
Surrey, England. Opening week of the Premier League season. Speaking of England, Liverpool and Chelsea tangling at Stamford Bridge. Mauricio Pochettino making his Chelsea managerial debut. Both of these squads coming off disappointing seasons for them last year. Mo Salah to Luis Diaz in full stretch to poke it past the keeper. One nil at Liverpool with the lead. But Chelsea draw even in the 37th. Follow the bouncing ball here. A couple of back and forth headers until Axel Diasi goes down and scoops it in. First goal for the Frenchman for his new side Chelsea. And that was what gave them the draw. 1-1 the final with Liverpool. Canadian Open tennis. Women's final from Montreal. American Jessica Pagula taking on Russian Lyudmila Samsonova. Because of the heavy rain last night, Samsonova had to play her semi earlier today. It went three sets and she had no gas left for the final. Pagula with the return winner there won the first set 6-1 and she even rolled better on from there. She reeled off the next 11 games in the match after it was one all in the first set. It took only 49 minutes. Jessica Pagula, the Canadian Open champ, 6-1, 6 love over Samsonova. Meanwhile, in the men's final in Toronto, Italian Yannick Sinner taking on Australian Alex Dimonor. Sinner, one of those young early 20s guys people have been waiting to see break out, and he had a great week in Toronto. Beautiful lob shot winner here. He took the first set 6-4, and then Sinner would dominate the second set, showing off some nice touch here with the drop shot winner. He takes it 6-4, 6-1 over Alex Dimonor. Manor. Sinner turns 22 on Wednesday, so maybe the, with that million-dollar first prize, he can buy himself a nice birthday present. Well, timber sport competitions have a certain bit of Canadiana to them. Woodsmen showing off their skills with the tools of their trade. But it is not a sport that is just for men. As a matter of fact, one of the best in the world just happens to be a woman from Port McNeil, 22-year-old Allie Briscoe. On stand number one, a beast in this event. Give it up for Allison Briscoe. Allie Briscoe just happens to own the Canadian women's record for the single buck. That's a timber sport event using a handsaw to cut through an 18 to 20 inch log. And she did it in 12.01 seconds, which is impressive. Maybe too impressive for some. If I'm camping with friends, they always tell me I'm the one that's got to cut the firewood, so. I usually tell them, no, I'm relaxing this week. <laughs> In all seriousness, Allie is one of Canada's top female timber sport athletes. She is the defending national champion, and she's only 22. But she's been doing this for over 10 years, following her dad to competitions as a kid and then getting him to teach her how it's done. And you better know what you're doing when you're dealing with chainsaws, axes, and handsaws. You can muscle your way through it, but you're not ever going to get super high up in terms of uh, caliber. There's uh, old traditional saws, which are actually what they used to fall trees with back in the day. And those you can't get away with trying to muscle your way through. You have to have pretty perfect technique. So I practiced a lot with that. And then just as I got older, kept developing my skills and fine tuning things. Allie is from Port McNeil, a well-known logging town. So her love for the sport comes naturally. But like any successful athlete, passion has a lot to do with getting to the top and getting in that zone to put in your best performance. Leading up to it I just try and relax and calm down as much as possible. It's very easy to get let that adrenaline get to you and start losing your mental space there and just letting everything come in but it's really important to kind of calm down and relax and in terms of the actual event for lack of better words I more or less black out for it. I know what I need to do and I just focus on what's happening and don't worry about anything else. 
Allie will complete her marketing degree at St. Francis Xavier in Nova Scotia this year, but she still plans to continue destroying logs during summer competitions. Timber sports are competitive but friendly. There are no axes to grind here. A big part of it for me too is the people that are doing the sport. I mean, you look at competitive sports and everybody's always going head to head, fighting with each other to always be a little bit better. And it's like that, but at the same time, it's family and like we all trade together. We all get together after every event, like we'll usually hang out and have dinner and relax. So it's as competitive as it is, it also is a giant family. There you have it, folks. And they actually just finished the uh, the Nationals in Chilliwack this weekend, Allie finished third, so she wow. got to spray the wow. champagne on the podium Nothing again. like seeing somebody so accomplished at such a young age to make you feel, at least me feel, <laughs> unaccomplished. I'm like, what, 22? Yeah, that's, that's incredible. All right, thanks so much, Barry. Got it. Coming up, thousands of fans hit the Rock the Lake Music Festival, but the lineup a little different this year. We'll tell you what's new. That's up next. Well, it's summer and many people are vacationing in the Okanagan, but in Kelowna, one of the big events is this year's Rock the Lake Music Festival. Global's Sydney Morton was there. The team behind Rock the Lake has done it again, bringing together thousands of fans for a three-day live music extravaganza. I've been here a couple of times, every year it's awesome, but this year it's like I feel like they've topped themselves, so I'm pretty pumped to see what happens. This year, venturing away from their classic rock roots to a degree, bringing in bands to attract a younger and more diverse audience. Uh, we're actually running out of bands from the 70s and 80s because they're not around anymore. So uh, yeah, you'll find our, our, our bands are going to get a little younger going forward with a younger demographic. Death from Above 1979 for sure. I've been listening to them since high school, which was 15 years ago already. Who are you most excited to see? Finger 11. Do you have a favorite song? Oh, all of them are great. <laughs> the final day of the festival, though, is all about rock legends, with Burton Cummings headlining the final show. Sydney Morton, Global News, Kelowna. It looks like they were breaking a sweat. Uh, Yvonne, uh, what's the forecast looking like? <laughs> All right, heat wave. Uh, we're going to see those temperature records fall once again as we get in through the week, but be prepared. It is going to be hot. Temperatures away from the water will be into the low 30s. Even tomorrow, factor in the Humidex, it's going to feel like 38, so try and stay cool. All right, rock on. Thanks, you two. That's right. <laughs> All right, that's Global News Hour. Thanks so much for joining us. Hope you all have a good night. Look quite right coming from...